<laughs> How you oh doing there, God. man? <laughs> I'm doing great. How you doing? <laughs> I'm all right. I haven't used this uh, this mic to record anything live before, so is it is it coming through enough? Uh, sounds great. You sound sexy as ever. Oh, wonderful. You know, I only care when you're the one saying it. <sighs> thank you. Thank you. Well, hey, um, oh my God. Sorry. I, I was just laughing at autocorrect. It kept, uh, apparently oh, the text message. G. Yeah, G. <laughs> <laughs> Sean, you better not cut out any of this. Um, all right. Um, oh, compose yourself, Josh. It's okay. Compose yourself. This is the big leagues. Colin. <laughs> what are we talking about today? Oh, um, I don't really know what to talk about. We're in a pandemic and I can't imagine, like, I remember when I first met you, you were a, this sort of perpetual traveler and you have been for the last, uh, I don't know, 13, 14 years, something like that. Um, and, and, and I, I don't know what, the times like this do, I mean, you're, you're a rather stoical person, so I'm, I'm sure you're weathering the storm, but it has to change your psyche to some extent, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I guess like anybody, um, I'm recalibrating and reassessing and trying to figure out what the next steps look like and, and how long those next steps will be until the new next steps arrive since there's there's still so many unknowns um yeah it's 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 tricky uh I, i've worked really hard over the past six or seven years in particular to try to make sure that i wasn't reliant on the travel to be happy and and went way out of my way to make sure that i could actually just hold still and put down roots and still be good and still be fulfilled and still be doing stuff that i care about and that i think is valuable and yeah. now, now you moved to, to Wichita. Was that one of the ways that, that you did that in Memphis as well? It, it was. In, yeah. a, in, in a way, I kind of thought of those as travel, but they weren't. They were, I mean, <laughs> for me, they were kind of. Uh, but, you know, right. l- like any place you go to somebody, that exotic place is home. Um, and so for me, what it was really about was having a lot of the the familiar, somewhat friction free accoutrement of living in the United States for a while after a very long time. I think it was seven years or something on the road full time at that point. After doing it for that long, uh, I wanted to come to a place that where most of the everyday things would be familiar and therefore not as challenging. When, when you travel, uh, a whole lot of your time is just spent trying to figure out how grocery stores work and how to communicate with your next door neighbor and, and all of these things. And so I wanted to be in a place where I could have that additional time where I didn't have to learn any of the language and I didn't have to learn the fundamentals of operating within a completely different culture so that I could see who I was without that stuff. And, and for me, fortunately, what I discovered is I actually really enjoy that too. It's a type of travel in a way to have to do that type of personal exploration. So I learned to cook and I learned to play the piano and I started up a podcast and I, I did all kinds of stuff that I probably wouldn't have done, or at least not as quickly and as uh, with as much focus had I continued to be on the road. And, and this feels similar to that, where I'm taking stock and saying, okay, well, you're in one place again, and you know there are pros and cons to any place you might find yourself, but what are you going to make of it? And that's what I've been trying to 
focus on is using this as an opportunity to like coil the spring and to to get ready for those next steps without uh, ignoring the fact that this space that we have here, this liminal space between what came before and what comes next, it is it's an experience unto itself, and it's not something that should be ignored just in favor of uh, looking toward the future exclusively. You know, I've always been impressed by your ability to create while you are on the road and in less than ideal conditions. We've been on tour together uh, several times, and watching you write books in the backseat of Ryan's Corolla while we're <laughs> driving 16 hours a day. Um, and, and but I imagine uh, your, your creativity flourishes even more, or maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you need the, the sort of chaotic situations to, to create. Um, do you flourish more in a time like this or is it just different? It's just different. It's yeah. It, it's almost like the distinction between explore and exploit in terms of the different uh, rhythms that we might have in our lives. That's the way that I tend to think about it internally, at least, is in, in some cases there are advantages. There are advantages to being in one place for a consistent period of time and to not have things whirlwinding around you constantly so that you can do longer duration things and just know I will wake up in this bed tomorrow. I will have X, Y, and Z variables in my life tomorrow. Thus, I can commit to this thing that requires me to do the same thing every single day for a year. I can commit to that. Whereas on the road, that, that's not necessarily a given. And you might end up in a place and you've been traveling for 18 hours. And so the idea of waking up the next day and doing something at 5 a.m. is just not, it, it's not uh, something that you can necessarily count on. And for me right now, then I'm going into the, or I've gone into the mode of adopting or uh, focusing on a bunch of stuff that I've wanted to do that requires the consistent wake up in the same day, every bed for a, or waking up in the same bed every day for a period, <laughs> sorts of exercises and rituals and routines. Whereas if I'm traveling, uh, it, it'll probably be something more uh, creative activity and novelty focused where I'm more likely to be taking notes and jotting down ideas and coming up with concepts that then I can really dig, dig down into super deep the next time that I'm holding still for a period of months. You, you've written some philosophical books. Um, I'm thinking of like act accordingly and considerations and um, some thoughts about relationships, uh, becoming who we need to be. Um, there, there are these ideas in these books, sort of principles, or I think in, in the relationships book, you call them policies. Um, how do those hold up and, and do they change at all uh, through the lens of, of a crisis like this or, or through the lens of a pandemic? I think they tend to be refined, um, polished and sharpened maybe. Uh, I mean, I'm always adding to them. Uh, by the time I finish one right. book, I've almost always got a collection of new things that I'm thinking about that I'm trying to figure out how best to communicate and trying to first organize them so that I can communicate them eventually to other people and maybe more clearly to myself as well. But yeah, I, I think with any of those things, as you experience, uh, you you have new variables that enter your life more um New, new properties to your life. That's almost like taking a familiar tool and applying it to a new task. 
And in some cases, you know, that hammer will work just as well on driving a nail as, you know, knocking a couple of boards together or something like that. I'm clearly not a carpenter, Um, but you can use the same tool for multiple purposes and you can constantly discover new uh, novel purposes for those things that you wouldn't have necessarily predicted ahead of time. But then in some cases you have to build new tools or you have to adjust those tools. And I think that's something that is beneficial in circumstances like this, where it's, it's very bad by many metrics, but it's also something that gives us the opportunity to build some tools for the future. And hopefully those aren't tools that we'll have to use very often, if ever. But I do think that it's an opportunity for a lot of us to look around and say, okay, things do suck in a lot of different ways, but at the same time, how do I deal with that suckiness in a productive way that can then help me grow as a person so that I have the tools that I need to deal with future instances of suckiness well speaking of the future i mean you've written quite a bit of i guess you would call it speculative fiction um what do you think if you had to speculate now what what does our new normal look like because we're certainly not going back to november of 2019 (laughs) there's a new world ahead of us and i don't know if it's a, a three degree pivot from where we were previously and maybe we're just shaking hands less frequently or or maybe it's a a completely different shift a uh, yeah, 180 degree turn. It's probably somewhere in between the two though. What are your thoughts? I, I think that you're right. I think it'll be somewhere in between. I do think we'll probably see more extremes in both directions with some people willing to do absolutely anything that they possibly can to reacquire the the properties of what they consider to be normal. And, and in a lot of cases, what they, um, through rose tinted glasses, perceive the previous normal to have been. I think that will be a very easy thing to do. And that politicians and brands and anybody really trying to get anything from any other person will do what they can to try to convince them that what they have to offer will give them some of that joyful, joyful familiarity that they had before. I don't think that will be super possible to do for a lot of reasons. And I do think that some entities in terms of people and governments and brands and organizations will use this as an opportunity to push in one of several different directions. And in, in some cases, we're already seeing it around the world in terms of the it, what I tend to think of as like the, the Patriot Act type of movement where there's a disaster and you genuinely need some tools to deal with that disaster. But then those new abilities given to certain government bodies then are never given back. So some of that right. will, will happen and already has happened. I also, though, think that we'll see the opposite and that we will see some people taking this opportunity to look at what's happening in cities and say, man, you know, all the cars off the road, the, the sky is clear for the first time in generations. What might we do to maintain more of that and make that a consistent thing? And some of the positives that we've seen in terms of community, in terms of tools that we've used, in terms of things that we wouldn't have asked for, but that happened anyway and had some positive outcomes. How can we lock some of those positive outcomes into place for a future in which we're not also worrying about potentially dying or, or watching our loved ones die? I think of uh, the normal that was whatever it was. It, before before this whole COVID-19 thing, it wasn't working for a lot of us, but a lot of us didn't really know it. I mean, I think you and I knew it 
Uh, but at some point, even even we didn't didn't realize it until we had our own individual epiphanies, so to speak. Um, but maybe this is that forced epiphany for a lot of people. And while we may not get back to normal, uh, we may find some normalcy out of um, a new beginning. Yeah. And if, if not normalcy in the sense that we tend to think of it, at least some kind of comfort in a place where we can grow and a place where we can pursue what it, whatever is meaningful to us individually, even within the context of a world that's changing rapidly and thus moving towards some future normal, but maybe not reaching it for quite some time. It's a great place to end it. Colin, thank you so much, brother. Yeah. Nice to talk to you, man. Hope everything's well. You too.